Hello, welcome to Europe now. Welcome to Spain and welcome to the beach. Now, I'm here, yes, because it's pretty, but more specifically because this is one of the only places where I can talk to you right now without having to wear a mask. Spain's 47 million strong population currently is grappling with a new round of coronavirus restrictions. And I'm sure you'll remember that Spain, along with Italy, was one of the worst hit countries in spring 2020 when this pandemic came to Europe. Well, in this programme, we wanted to delve into how Spain has been managing the pandemic up to now and take a look at what the future might hold. We are quite specifically in Mallorca, in the Balearics. We'll be meeting some of the politicians representing the people of these islands, which have been hit, of course, not just by the tragic high death toll, but also they've been dealt an economic blow as tourists stay away. We also have a series of reports coming up for you from all around Spain, including the Canary Islands and the place where Spanish meets British territory in the shape of Gibraltar. First, though, let's take a look at an industry that normally keeps more than two million Spaniards in work, tourism. Our reporter, Luke Brown, has been to what are usually two Spanish holiday hotspots, Malaga and Barcelona. Seagulls, not cruise liners in the port of Malaga. The global cruise sector was one of the first casualties of the pandemic. Last year, instead of the 300 expected cruise liners and the half a million paying passengers, Malaga only welcomed 19 ships. Now the terminal buildings lie empty, a shock for the city. I sometimes try to compare with what it happened in the, after the 11th September. Everybody was shocked about the terrorist attack and everybody thought that nobody was going to fly again and things like that. But the people adapted to the new situation. And I think that also something similar will happen to the cruise sector. Malaga's tourism sector relies on cruises, climate and culture. With outposts of renowned international museums, a cornerstone of that strategy. Museums in Spain are open but desperately quiet. They want to serve as a beacon of hope and a reminder of normal life. A message to the people that we are here, we are for them, because they know that we are open that it is a secure space and, and we offer uh, a space with, with the security and, and to enjoy the art. Tourism is worth three billion euros to the local economy, meaning Malaga cannot afford to do without. The city has invested in 30,000 COVID tests to reassure visitors, but still everything relies on the global vaccination program. If enough vaccines do not arrive on time, we need the European Union to outline protocols that will allow people to travel. That means vaccination passports and widespread antigen testing. Tourism contributes 13% of Spain's GDP and nearly 3 million jobs. Barcelona was one of the most popular destinations, with visitor numbers tripling in the past two decades. But the Catalan capital was a victim of its own success, with locals forced out of the tourist hotspots. The tourist impact was enormous because it's like a virus that permeates everything. The housing prices skyrocketed, so people that were more humble rents were thrown away. So if you don't have permanent residence, there's fewer people that take care of the public space and of the street. Barcelona wants to rebalance areas dominated by tourism. The flagship project, a 60 million euro overhaul of the post office building that's been mostly empty for two decades. When tourism comes back to the centre of Barcelona, we want to blend the tourist-oriented the tourist economy, uses and commerce to other places to work 
other types of uh, sectors that are drawn also to the center of the city. Covid has shaken up the tourism sector from top to bottom. Marie Geraldine and the Mercedes team used to run bike tours until business dried up, forcing a rethink. We're reusing the bikes that we used to use for our educational tours of Barcelona. And we're using these bikes to become delivery riders. The small female-only team aims to work with local shops and restaurants and provide a vital link between businesses and customers that can help replace in-person shopping. I've never worked as much in my life as now during COVID. It's a huge challenge. We're not just biking all day. We spend up to 13 hours each day doing everything that needs doing for the team. COVID really was an opportunity to change. The Spanish government has warned foreign tourists can't return until 70% of the population is vaccinated. So the Sagrada Familia may not see tourists again until after the summer season. I'm Alicia Ginel. Uh, I'm from Palma here in Mallorca and I'm a member of the European Parliament from the Socialist and Democrats group. Tourism represents around the 40% of our economy and 35% of our workers directly. So if then you check the numbers of the non-direct works that it also helps. We have uh, the agricultural sector, trade sector, cultural sector also. So our social economic model depends uh, hugely on tourism. We have created a figure from the Spanish government that is called ERTER. That it means that, uh, for example, if your enterprise, you are only working the 20% of your normal time in your enterprise, the government is paying the rest of your salary. Mm -hmm. The idea of this new mechanism is to protect workers and also uh, to avoid the collective dismissals. Mm -hmm. So it worked. Now we have two extensions of this mechanism. Now it will be until the 31st of May. I think it helped a lot. Something that's currently under discussion in many countries is the idea of so-called vaccine passports, meaning if you've been fully vaccinated, you get to travel more freely. Is that something that could happen here on the Balearics? It's something that we need to talk more in, uh, in the institutions and, and get the best solution for our citizens because we cannot make them not to travel or prohibit them uh, the liberty that we have uh, to, to, of movement. Now, Mallorca is known for sun, sea and sand, but also for culture. We're sitting in front of this uh, lovely contemporary art museum here. Has the European Union, in your opinion, done enough to support cultural institutions? We have this Creative Europe programme. For example, in our case, is holding the Atlantida Film Fest. Last year, uh, it holds their 10th edition but it was uh, with the restrictions of COVID, so it was less people, we take all the measures that were needed. It's an important festival that we do with this program and is, an, is a good example on how the EU is, is helping uh, the, the cultural sector here in the islands. Aside from your regular holiday makers who come here for a week or two, there's also thousands of people around Europe and elsewhere who own second homes here on the island or, or come here and rent them long term. We've seen that during the pandemic, uh, people coming here for months on end to do their homeworking. How has that been for these islands? In the first wave, we were one of the most affected uh, countries mm -hmm. and having people coming from the outside, it was mm, a bit dangerous, I think. Nowadays, I think it's not 
that dangerous because to come inside the island you need a PCR test uh, negative. But yes, I mean, it helps to our economy. I think it's another kind of tourism. Okay, well, we'll just uh, take a little hop to another part of the island right now and we'll, we'll come back and continue our discussion in a minute. Uh, but let's go and see about some of those people who've come here to Mallorca to do their homeworking in the sunshine. Welcome, I'm Mathieu from Palmaco Living. Here is a co-working space. Mainly we are working here remotely, so we only need Wi-Fi connection. We have different events. We have different types of bedroom according to your budget, starting from 850 euros to 1,700. We include everything in the price. Here we call it the meditation room. We like to share some intention. We started this co-living brand to support remote workers, digital nomads and entrepreneurs who are looking for a place to work comfortably, but also live because we have the bedrooms and having fun, social events to avoid uh, the routine. Even if we started during the pandemic, it was working pretty well. We had like around 10 residents coming all over the month from more than 15 nationalities. We decided to do one month minimum to be sure that people can connect. One billion of digital nomads as a prediction uh, will be shown in 2035. So basically more and more people are coming and looking for a place like a co-living co-working space. During the COVID, we have less booking actually, but then we are looking for investors in order to buy the properties. with Alicia Holmes Junel now and as you can see we've changed location you've brought us here to the port in Palma a very important place for this city the weather has changed a little bit uh, as we can see but Alicia normally it is a, a lot of sunshine here it brings people to these islands we've seen those teleworkers coming to Mallorca there uh, very different from the normal mass tourism that the economy depends so much on has the pandemic perhaps shown a need for this island and the Balearics in general to diversify the economy away from so much mass tourism? The pandemic has shown that we are really dependent on tourism. We are trying to, to diversify the economy and also to diversify the season. I mean, because um, during the summer, everybody's coming here for the sun, beach. They are also going to the beautiful villages and places that we have in the island. But we are also trying to have a touristic season during the winter with cyclists maybe or, or other kinds of tourism. Uh, still on the economy, Spain is going to be the second biggest recipient of the EU uh, COVID recovery funds. Uh, what are the priorities for spending here in the Balearics? I mean, we have received uh, already from the programme uh, REACT uh, EU 300 million euros that will be spent on the public services like health, education, the social services, and also to re-diversify the, the, the economy. We are the second region in Spain uh, per capita that will receive uh, more because we have a hard situation. Uh, and also from this recovery plan, we will receive 133 million euros 
uh, that has to be uh, directed uh, to housing and also environmental projects. Perhaps not a return to normal for the summer season of 2021, but perhaps partial normal? Yes, we will see. I mean, it depends on the rhythm of the vaccination and also not just from our country, also from the other European countries. Our hope is to have uh, some uh, touristic season during this 2021 because we really need it. Alicia Holmes, Ginelle, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Well, speaking about vaccines, uh, vaccines, of course, have been the subject of much fake news here in Spain and elsewhere around the continent. Celine Schmidt has been looking into those fake news stories and how much impact they've had on the management of the health crisis. At the beginning of the pandemic, during the first wave, most of the fake news stories were racist and were about where the virus came from. Then came the lockdown and the fake news became more focused on the PCR tests, saying that they didn't work properly. And now we're seeing lots of fake news about the vaccine, claiming it changes our DNA. For Spain's leading fact-checking site Maldita.es, the COVID-19 crisis has led to a boom in fake news. They've uncovered 900 already, a record for a single issue. The chief target of the misinformation campaign, government attempts to fight the spread of the virus. The attacks are felt at every level, from the central government and the national health ministry down to different autonomous regions. The febrile atmosphere of the pandemic is a breeding ground for fake news. In January, a message went viral online, claiming that the regional government of Valencia was about to order an emergency local lockdown, supposedly an announcement made during a press conference. The authorities rushed to deny the rumour as fake news. In reality, while local authorities can introduce tighter measures, only the central government can order a region-wide lockdown. Any emergency measure of that scale would still need to get the green light from Madrid, and so any announcement about a lockdown would have to come from the national government. The vaccines are the other major target for fake news. Take, for example, the first deliveries of vaccines to arrive in Spain. This photo, alongside a screenshot of a Google search, went viral in December. It purports to show the logo of a company specialising in electronics and microchips. That's fake, and it links to a long-running conspiracy theory that claims the COVID-19 vaccine is a ploy to implant people with microchips. The truth is more prosaic. Softbox, the company whose logo appears on the first pictures of vaccines arriving in Spain, specialises in temperature-controlled transport packages. Those can be used to safely transport electronics and microchips. But all the screenshot shows is the temperature-protected crates that are necessary to safely store the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, which has to be kept at minus 70 degrees centigrade at all times. Faced with the spread of so much misinformation, the Spanish government has introduced a protocol to better coordinate its response, as well as proposing a new anti-fake news law that's raised concerns about how it limits freedom of speech. The current polarisation of political life in Spain is contributing to a situation where every serious problem, such as Covid, is turned into a political game. I'm glad to say that I don't see the same thing in other European countries. This protocol allows us to create the necessary structures inside the government so that the different ministries and groups who deal with this issue are coordinated and can act rapidly.
Well, just before we leave you for a quick break, we thought we'd bring you to another tourist town on the island of Mallorca and show you this, uh, something that we're seeing really all around this island, bars that would be open all year round, even in the winter. Now, as you can see, shut up, closed because of the coronavirus restrictions. Locals here telling us that they don't expect to have anything like a normal tourist season until at least the year 2022. Well, we'll be looking a bit more into all of these issues in part two of the programme. Do stay with us. <laughs>